You're listening to Lessons from the Boardroom, a business podcast with Kevin Minton, CEO of Chief Executive Boards. Hello, I'm Kevin Minton, and welcome to our podcast, where we will talk with uh, business owners about their journeys and the lessons they've picked up along the way that, uh, that have steered them to success. I've been looking forward to this interview, where we will be speaking with Mike Davis of Hill Electric Company, who is our guest on, on the podcast today. Mike is the president and senior partner of Hill Electric Company in Anderson, South Carolina. And as I understand, Hill Electric performs process machinery installations to the manufacturers in the upstate of South Carolina. Hill Electric continues to grow and, and evolve as a, as a successful company. And I wanted to ask Mike to share with us some of his biggest lessons and challenges and successes along the way. So with that, we'll get started into our conversation. Welcome to our podcast, Mike. Thank you, Kevin. Pleased to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. And before we get started uh, discussing your journey at Hill Electric, I'd like to just ask you, if you would, just take a moment to share a little background about yourself. Sure. Um, Small town guy. I grew up in uh, Lawrence County. Uh, Been in Anderson for the better part of my business life. Um, married, four daughters, uh, ranging from uh, 16 to 26. So uh, got a couple of them out of the nest and uh, only one off the payroll so far and one uh, still in high school. So that, that certainly keeps me busy. Fantastic. And uh, if you would just share a little bit about your business and, and what you guys do. Sure. Um, we are industrial electrical contractors, and our, our niche, as you said a moment ago, is process machinery installations. Uh, we, are, we are fortunate to be located in, in upstate South Carolina, where the manufacturing sector here is huge, uh, well diversified in, in many different industries. And uh, the, the best way to describe what we do is we are, we are not the company that builds the building. Uh, there, there are companies out there that specialize in construction, and they do it very well. We want to be the ones to put in the machines that make the product, and uh, and that in itself creates a perpetual relationship with that account because eventually they upgrade that machinery or they relocate it or they, they change the flow, and we're very familiar with it. So we have an opportunity to sometimes do work twice, sometimes three times. So in, in addition to installing the machinery that, that goes into these manufacturing facilities, I'm assuming that you guys do all the electrical tie-in and, and uh, do, do you do the electrical uh, installation inside of those facilities as well? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Good question. We do um, everything from, from medium voltage and low voltage service entrance, power distribution, all the way to uh, the machine itself. Uh, it could be a main drive cabinet. It could be a single panel board that powers the machine. And then from there, uh, we, we do all power control and data related to the machine, you know, which can sometimes be thousands of cables, uh, depending on the size of the equipment and the complexity of, of what it's performing. And we put all that in place, um, we do it accurately, and then we, we turn it over to our customers for their, their startup and commissioning. And, and Mike, so that's very interesting. How, how long does something like that typically take uh, to, to do something like that, to that kind of an installation? Yeah, it varies, Kevin. It could be as simple as a, a you know, one-week job. 
you know, it could be a, a simple machine that's got a 30 amp power drop and, you know, half a dozen uh, control circuits that go along with it. Or it could be as complex as something that is, you know, 20,000 man hours and, and could take six months to install. Um, and, and the beauty of the way we're structured here is that we're capable of both. We still do a lot of one week, one day, two day work. And we have a lot of jobs that will command, you know, 25, 30 men and uh, keep us busy for the better part of a year. Interesting. So, Mike, how how did you get uh, started in this business? What what was it that sort of led you into this? <laughs> well, my dad was an electrician by trade. Um, so after high school, well, I, I took electricity in high school. Back then, you had the vocational programs within the schools. And then after school, I uh, went to Piedmont Technical College and got an associate's degree in electronic engineering and uh, thought that I was going to go out and be a technician. And uh, <laughs> Tried to get a job. This was back in the 80s and, uh, you know, same old thing, no experience. And lo and behold, uh, put in an application for a job in sales at a company called EMSCO, uh, Electronic Maintenance Supply uh, Company. They they sold the products uh, for uh, the electronic world, resistors, capacitors, that type thing. And um, shortly after that, uh, met a guy that was the manager of an electrical distributor in Greenville. Uh, the company was named Cameron and Barkley. And fast forward in time, uh, Cameron and Barkley opened a branch in Anderson. Uh, over a period of time, I became manager of that branch, and Hill Electric was my number one and largest account. Um, and at that time, had a good relationship and still do with the then owner, Steve Kay. Um, and he offered me a job to jump sides of the fence. Uh, he used to laugh and say, you know, instead of selling us lot nuts and bushings, uh, why don't you come help us put them in? And uh, so I came on board, and, and the idea there was to, to become a project manager. And uh, I got real bored uh, real quick um, in the fact that the accounts that I was managing virtually managed themselves. Uh, they were long-tenure accounts that needed very little involvement from me. So I moved into business development, and uh, it just kind of fell in place after that. So tell us a little bit about that journey. What, what, how did you get to be the president of the organization? <laughs> well, at the time that I came on board, which is back in the mid-'90s, um, 80% plus of our business came from textiles. Um, the big three, if you will, in the area were Millican, West Point, and Springs. Well, Millican, everyone knows, is still around and doing well, but as textiles left the, the fabric of upstate South Carolina, West Point and Springs went away. So we immediately, I guess, luck in timing, I was here, um, had a background in business development, and it just really went into a 10-year mode of reinventing what we do. Um, I mean, you know, we got into every industry that is here now in in the upstate or, or every, you know, type of manufacturing. I mean, we're in rubber, plastics, uh, thermoforming, cutting tool, food and bread, beverage, healthcare, um, everything that surrounds us. So... In that period of time, um, Steve became to recognize that that okay, you know this this guy's 
carrying some weight here, and and he named me as vice president. And then after that, a little more time went by, and and it it was you know I became the heir apparent, if you will, that that Steve and I entered into a plan to buy into the business, and then ultimately became president. And uh, Steve has has retired many many years ago, and. Um, a lot of the companies that we found back in those the late '90s and early 2000s to reinvent ourselves, we're still working for today. So we just try to keep doing the best we can. Interesting story, uh, Mike, and and thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, yep. So as we as we talk through this journey, what's been the biggest challenge you've faced uh, along the way so far? Yeah, it sounds like you've been doing this for a, for a bit of time now, and and I'm sure you've got some stories. Yeah, yeah, there are there are a lot of them out there. The one the one that sticks true in my mind the most uh the the biggest challenge that that i've faced personally without a doubt is we went through a period of time that unfortunately as a company we we lost sight of our culture um this was back 2010 through 2012 13-ish um we went through some large growth um you know even, even though that was a point in time that it was post-recession in the country, uh, we had a lot of customers that were still going strong, and we took on a lot of projects. Um, We were running a little faster than we needed to, and the culture that was lost is is we we had some islands that got created in the company. Uh, We had had lead guys out there that were running jobs the way they wanted to and, and not paying attention to the protocols and the standards that we expect as a company. And over really a two-year period, all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, hmm, man, we, we got some things that we need to correct here. And uh, so we went to work to do so. And so that that must have been, uh, uh, I guess, just a very interesting realization that you've, you you grew very quickly um, some things kind of got out of your grasp a little bit. And so what did you do to sort of turn that around? How did you overcome that uh, challenge? Well, I think the, the first first obstacle or first part of that was identifying the islands. Uh, I mentioned that in the, the previous part of our conversation. Um, we had some individuals in the company that we needed to eliminate. Uh, they they were not in line with with who we are as a company. And simultaneously, it was determining our identity and building everything around that, uh, established values, purpose, and that along with the elimination of some key staff members over the course of a year or so got us back to what I consider a very healthy company, a very aligned company, a very open company. And uh, it, it was some tough battles along the way. There's there's no question about it. It was a there's a lot of planning, a lot of uncertainty, but it all worked out. So I'm I'm sure in in going through that ditch, uh, you you probably uh, got a few battle scars and, yeah. and probably learned a few things that uh, that you'd probably had not been through before. What what uh, what did you take away from that? What did you learn by going through that experience, Mike? The biggest takeaway is that, you know, regardless of the size of the company, islands within a company will eventually be fatal if they're not eliminated. Um, and, and in my opinion, it doesn't matter if you're a 10-man company or a 10,000-person uh, company. 
when you get groups of individuals operating within a company that are putting themselves above the company and they feel that they're larger than the company, um, that that's a toxin that has to be removed uh, or, or you, you won't survive it. And that was the biggest takeaway, and it's one that I will never forget. And as long as I am here, um, there will not be islands in this company. Um, I pay attention to that every day. Yeah, it's it's amazing that when you when you cut out the cancer, um, the the changes and the impact that it has. I'm sure that you saw some some definite changes after you made those uh, decisions. Uh, and so, just you know, real quickly, what what was the what was the result of that? What did you see? Did you see any immediate changes, or how did that go? It took time. Uh, the the biggest changes were uh, the ones that no longer wanted to be here, and either they left on their own, or we we helped them move move on out. Um, and and again, that's that's going back to the island viewpoint of, of just individuals that that. They just needed to be somewhere else. Uh, yeah, they, they weren't they weren't good for us, and vice versa. Um, so that that's a I guess that's a very interesting uh, um, challenge that you guys have had, and and you know, a lot of leaders, Mike, don't understand that that that's a very hard decision to make. Sometimes getting rid of people or getting rid of resources that you may you may need at the time. And, uh, but I've, I've got to imagine that it had a positive impact, uh, on your company for the long term, and, and it sounds like you took a long-term perspective of how you wanted the company to look, how you wanted it to operate. And, uh, it probably had some positive, uh, results, uh, after you made those changes, it sounds like. Oh yeah, it did. It did. You know, in the middle of the trenches, if you will, uh, you know, you, you, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that, okay, I know I've made the right decision, but yet you've got a lot caving in around you. But you have to stay focused. Uh, when when we went into this period of time, um, I shared with a number of key people here, and and one of them reminds me of it often. Uh, you know, I sat them all down and I said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna go down this road, and in doing so, a year from now, there are gonna be people in this company that uh, they're not gonna be here." Uh, they're not going to survive this change. And if if you stay consistent, eventually that will they will weed themselves out because they know, um, hey, this this isn't a place for me. Uh, this this guy's serious. He's he's gonna he's gonna stick to this identity and this value thing that he's talking about. And uh, you know, they move on. Yeah, and we we become a, a stronger company for it, in my opinion. Well, once they see that you're serious about it too, and and I'm sure that it's allowed you to make decisions quicker when you uh, when you see those things or you see those kind of challenges uh, in front of you that you know that it works. Um, you, you've seen you've seen how it has impacted you in the past, and it sounds like you've had some positive takeaways. Uh, I want to pivot here for just a moment. We talked a little sure. bit about the the challenge that that you've been through. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about. Uh, some success. What's been the biggest success that you have realized or seen uh, during your tenure there uh, leading Hill Electric Company? We touched a little bit on it earlier. Um, it, it's the my role in being a part of bringing us forward out of a industry that left us. When the textile era ended, um, 
I was fortunate enough to have an experienced group of employees here that just needed new places to work. And and my job was to go out and find it, estimate the job, project manage the job, but without the talent that was already here, uh, there's there's nothing that could have been done there. Uh, I'm not the one that can go out and put the work in. But we had a good tenured uh, group of, of, of men that just uh, gave us an opportunity to grow new roots. And uh, when I think back on the last quarter century, um, there, there are a lot of things that jump out that I would consider to be a success. You know, you, you have one good job or you have a record year. But when you think of my time frame here, if if there's a legacy, if there's anything that I did that created, you know, a complete turn for the for the company, that would be it. And uh, it, it was all good timing and a lot of luck, and uh, it, it just all worked out. So it sounds like, you know, diversifying the company away from uh, just the textile industry allowed you guys some different opportunities to maybe help, help you to grow. Has that helped you? Has your company grown since you have made that, uh, made that pivot or, uh, what, what did it look like? Is it still the same size? What, what did it do for you? No, we, we're, um, I guess, and you think of timeframe from nineties until current time. I mean, we're, we're doubled in revenue. Uh, we're doubled in manpower. Um, you know, back in the nineties, we may have been in 10 or 12 different, plants or job sites on any given day and now we may be in 20 on any given day um and that's all because again the diversification of the the multiple industries that are here to be served now and just a greater number of accounts you know steve and i used to joke about it you know it's 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 just pegs on the board you 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 get that board big enough you get you get more and more room in that bullseye chances are you're going to get the dart in the right place. And uh, so that's what we continue to do today is just we, we, we try to add good customers. You know, we, we want to align with them. We want them to align with us. We're not quick, but we're, we're pretty savvy in figuring out if, if we're going to align well with a potential customer based on how they handle safety, how they handle bid procedures, that type thing. So we just want to align with the ones that, that recognize us for who we are and just create that perpetual relationship that, you know, they've, they've literally become a customer for life. Well, you, you mentioned, Mike, uh, that, that you had a lot of luck along the way. And, uh, you know, surely there's some other contributing factors to uh, the success of, of that journey. What else would you say uh, maybe helped you along the way when, when you guys decided to do that, when you decided to pivot and make that make that change and diversify. We all get a little bit of luck, but was there any, any other magic in there, anything that you saw that sort of contributed towards uh, your company making that pivot and being successful and making that change? Yeah. Well, in, in my opinion, success is where hard work and luck meet. Uh, you can't have, you, you can't get there without both ingredients, um, but there are no shortcuts. Uh, you, you you have to be willing to make a lot of sacrifices, a lot of long hours, a lot of long weeks, maybe even small nighters um, to, to get to where you want to be. And if, if you aren't willing to make those sacrifices, then you, you really can't expect the success just to fall in your lap. 
I was fortunate um, to come into this company or actually begin uh, full-time employment, for lack of a better word, with a, a strong work ethic that came from many family members. And I still have it today. Um, and, and again, it was just a perfect scenario and timing of just rolling the sleeves up and I mean, you put your boots on every day and you went out there and you, you hustled for new business. And along the t- on that way, we were bringing in new employees, younger generation of folks. Um, I've, I've seen many retire from here. I've retired many from here. And, uh, it, it gives me a lot of pride when I look around in our safety meetings and I see that the majority of the people in the room are half my age. So uh, that that's a good future. It sounds like you're really setting up a good legacy for the company there. And, uh, you know, that, that change has, has definitely been uh, a contributing success for the company, help you guys to grow. It sounds like it's giving you opportunities to uh, bring in some new talent uh, to help uh, the, the, the longevity of the company for the future. Uh, for uh, perpetuating the company's success down the road. Um, and so what a, what a great story, Mike. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us about the success of the company. And, and uh, so now, now I just, I kind of want to just pivot over a little bit here and talk a little bit about, all right, you know, we've talked about the company, we've talked about some of the challenges and successes that you've had. How do you think this journey along the way has affected your personal life and your personal relationships? There have been struggles. Uh, there's no doubt about it. There were uh, there were points in time that you know I I missed some ball games and I missed some dance recitals and that type thing. But uh, you you look back on it and I've got great relationships uh, with with my girls and uh, it, it it all worked out. Um, it, sometimes it, it it can take its toll on you. Uh, I preach to all of our daughters to find balance in life. Um, you know, and they, they laugh at me when I say that, but I'm always open with them and say, look, you know, when, when I was in my twenties and thirties, you know, there were some times that I got out of balance as well. Um, so just, just find the balance and, uh, it'll all work out. So if you had a chance to do it all over again, what's the one thing you think you might do different or change? Hmm. Kevin, I don't think I would rewrite anything. Um, I mean, the reality is, uh, whatever twists and turns and came came along the way with the roller coaster, I, I learned something from all of them. Um, hopefully, it, it it has equipped me to teach others uh, around me uh, to be a good role model for the young men in our company, to be a good role model for our girls. And uh, but I I don't think I would change one thing. Mike, that's uh, that. What a great answer! I mean, uh, it, it sounds like it's just added arrows to your quiver and uh, <laughs> giving, giving you a lot of tools to work with. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe and, a few arrows I, stuck in me too along the way, but you know, you remember those as well. <laughs> that's part of what makes you who you are, and and the experiences that you've had to be able to pass along to others. That's uh, that's a wonderful thing. So uh, now that you've been down this road. What do you believe that makes uh, some successful while, you know, others uh, in leadership positions or other companies tend to struggle? Yeah, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. It, it's just the fact that success is hard work and luck. And uh, I, I think to answer the question of, of why some succeed and some struggle, I, I think it's just because the ones that are succeeding are the ones that are willing to make the sacrifices. 
they're willing to have that 80 hour work week if that's what it takes week after week they're willing to go more than above and beyond uh, to meet a customer's demand knowing that if you do that all you've done is to position yourself as the number one pick on the next job and if, if you do that it works out and i i think if, if you try to do anything other than that it's just a shortcut and you may get a temporary win uh, but you, you're not going to win the series amen it's a long-term game for sure uh, it is it is and in our world it's uh it, it, it's that you know you do it all one year and 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 you get to the end of the year and you think all right man that was a that was a good year that worked out and then Come January first, you you wake up and you're like, okay, got to do it all over again. Let's let's go out and, and and start finding it. So yeah, and you just can't let your foot off the accelerator uh, mm-hmm. for sure. And so uh, as as we have this conversation on January the 11th of 2021, we are sitting here in some pretty shaky, unprecedented times uh, right now. Uh, I don't think I've, I've ever seen anything like this in my lifetime, and. Um, so I'm going to ask you, you know, what is it that makes you optimistic about the future of, of your business, Mike? The, the talent of our team. Um, I am so grateful of the, the talented staff and experience that we have uh, to offer as a company. And we're operating here in a market space that just provides much opportunity uh, for, for what we do, our niche service of process machinery installations. And as long as manufacturing can remain stable and or strong, uh, there's, there's plenty of opportunity out there for us to, to go to work. And uh, it's our job to go find it. Uh, it's our job ultimately to make sure that we keep the customers we have. We, we give them all, all the attention that they deserve because they've got us where we are today. Well, Mike, it certainly sounds like you've positioned the company well uh, for success and, and uh You've put in the hours, you've put in the time, you've got the bumps and the bruises to go along uh, to <laughs> to show the experience and and uh, the culture uh, of your organization sounds like it's just phenomenal. Uh, so I applaud you. And I just want to ask you, is there anything else that you might want to share with the audience today about uh, about your journey so far? Um, I'll add one other thing. You mentioned a moment ago, the word legacy. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate to be in a company that there was already a legacy here. Um, I mean, from, from our founder um, back in 1954 to his son that came in the company to my former partner, Steve, um, there's a lot of DNA here that, that has just been in this, this great small electrical company for, for all these years. And um, I'm very fortunate to be sitting in the seat I am and and do my my job and and being a steward for this company and doing everything I can to leave it in a better place than I found it. And uh, if if I do that, then that that that's a good career. I can check that box and and move on into the sunset. Well, Mike, what a great story, and thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, I appreciate uh, you allowing us to connect with you today and and uh and have this conversation and and learn more about what you're doing uh appreciate the opportunity kevin it's it's our pleasure so i want to wrap this up uh and just ask the question of where's the best place that our listeners can go to connect with you mike and learn more about hill electric 
Sure. Um, well, I'm an old school guy. Uh, I'm, I, I still prefer face-to-face or, or phone calls. So I'll give you a couple different ways. Uh, my only social media presence is on LinkedIn. Uh, anyone can find me there and, and get a message to me. Feel free to visit our website as well. It's hillelectric.net. Um, I'll also offer my personal email or my, my company email. It is mike at hillelectric.net. And uh, folks can reach out and find me anywhere there, and, and we'll take it from there for either a telephone call or meet for a cup of coffee one morning when we can finally do that again. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. I want to encourage everyone listening. Uh, Mike's had a great story to tell here, and I would encourage you to reach out to him. Uh, they sound like they've got just a wonderful company, a uh, great culture, and uh, would be a great company to do business with. So I want to encourage you to reach out to those folks and, uh, and, and give them a call. Mike, uh, thank you for your time. It's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Thank you very much, Kevin. I've enjoyed it. The Lessons from the Boardroom podcast is sponsored by Chief Executive Boards. It's lonely at the top, but that doesn't mean you need to go it alone. We've got your back. At Chief Executive Boards, you have access to business best practices, insights, and resources that can help you eliminate the stress, anxiety, and pitfalls of running a business. Whenever you're ready, here's how we can help. Number one, get a copy of Kevin's book, in Search of Balance, the Business Owner's Guide to Building a Business and a Life at chiefexecutiveboards.com slash book. Number two, attend a Chief Executive Boards event in your area to find out if CEBI can help you. For a list of upcoming events in your area, go to chiefexecutiveboards.com slash events or call 864-527-5917.